0: Well, hello, Emma. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you. Emma Burke is a development manager for Limited Horizons East Shield and lives in Antigua, Guatemala. Emma left a successful career in Australia, moving to China, where she learned Mandarin and worked in James Goodall's Roots and Shoots in Beijing. She later moved to Guatemala, learned Spanish and worked in the nonprofit sector. Uh, for, the last, for the last one year and a half at Limiters Horizon Sea S.H.I.E.L.D., Emma's roles include managing the sponsorship program, donor relationships, fundraising, communications, and community engagement trips. There is something that you are not doing in Limiters Horizon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Surprisingly, yes. There's a lot that I don't am <laughs> I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. Um, okay. Let's talk about, uh, I think that the first thing that I would like to talk about with you is uh, the school. I know that there is something really cool happening within your organization, uh, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, So tell me what's going on.
1: (laughs) Okay, I think that's the best way to do it is maybe to give a bit of context about Chahul, the Mm -hmm. community that we work in, Mm -hmm. where we started as an organization, how it turned into this huge step that we're taking now, which is what you're talking about. Okay. So Chahul is a very remote community in the Ishil region in Quiché, Guatemala. It is in the mountains. It's an indigenous community where the language is Ishil, not Spanish. and The community was um, at the heart of the civil war that lasted for 36 years and tore apart the community. So we see a lot of um, lingering hangover problems from from that that our families face, as well as extreme poverty. So 93% of the families in Chahul are living in poverty. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously things like education, when you're in a community like that, fall by the wayside. So 18 years ago in 2004 uh, is when the story of Limitless Horizon started and it started with our executive director Katie who visited the region and saw these students particularly girls that were not able to go to school because to go to school it costs money not a lot of money but it does you have to buy your books your pens and pencils your inscription and so Katie went back to the US where she's from and she asked 10 of her friends to give $100 each to send 10 kids to school. So that yeah. first year, our, as an organization, the budget was $1,000. It was 10 kids, <laughs> $100 a child to send them to the local for school. For how long? For one year.
0: For one year, $100 for one year. Yeah, I mean, that's not a lot of money for, for a sp- lot of people. Yes, but in that region, as I personally know that region, uh, I know that it's it can be a lot for for some of them,
1: and for a lot of these families, as I mentioned, you know, it's easy to say they live in poverty, but what does that look like? That means for them, it is a struggle to put food on the table. It is a struggle to have tortillas for their kids to eat. So, not only is it you know. A lot of money. It's a huge amount of money for them. It's also a sacrifice because, probably, if they choose to educate their child and send them to school, they're choosing to sacrifice providing a more nutritious meal for their kids or even providing food for them. And, you know, also sadly, a lot of these families rely on their kids to help out at home. Yeah. So they're also, in a way, sacrificing. Oh my daughter isn't looking after her siblings and cleaning mm-hmm. the house mm-hmm. and my son isn't working in the field so I'm mm-hmm. losing that resource yeah. of my child plus I'm paying money I yeah. don't have so you can see how for these families it's it's very very difficult for them to to be able to educate their children and that's why what we were seeing in Chahul was it was about eleven percent of kids that would ever graduate middle school hmm. yeah which is.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I think that you mentioned something that, even for Guatemalans, it's hard to understand or how to picture. And when you said, uh, "People, this is struggling even to put tortillas on the table," uh, I think that we, a lot of the people, not just in Guatemala but in in countries that are in the, that that are in development, they think that uh, poor people are poor poor because they they. They can only afford sometimes like beans and tortillas or mm-hmm. beans and bread. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to understand how these people are not even to afford tortillas. I, I, I mean, they, they really work just to get those to survive. Two, three tortillas on the table and just surviving. It's crazy. They are not even thinking on buying clothes or other things or their goods they even, might need. And even, you
1: know, I mean, just it's like you said, it's not beans and eggs and tortillas for some of these families. It's tortillas, just, yeah. which
0: it's crazy. It's and cra- that's, it's crazy. you know, we
1: kind of when we sometimes speak to, you know, especially um, foreigners and who are from first world countries, that's, you know, one of the ways I try and explain to them that level is I say, like, it is a struggle for them to survive. Yeah. They're trying to like, that's the level of yeah, yeah, difficulty yeah. that they're in, which you know, I'm um, very privileged and from a first-world country, and no, yeah. nobody in my country is is having that experience. Yeah. And so, it can be really difficult for people to even comprehend
0: that level of poverty. Exactly. Yeah. I. I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard for me when when I when I sometimes talk with people from Guatemala about about it, and and it's it's really hard for them to to really like buy into it. It's it's hard. It's hard. It, it was for, hard for me also when. I, when I realize it. Um, but let's keep talking okay. a little bit more about the, <laughs> I about mean, the I'm school. I'm in the story, I'm mean yeah. the story. I'll get to this, let me just, <laughs> yeah. so
1: basically we started the sponsorship program that has continued and to date we've had over, I think it's around 230 students now that we've sponsored and our scholarship program always included the cost of going to school as well as things like Spanish intensive classes because that language barrier was also always very challenging. Um, And the other cool thing that we did was in 2010, we opened our community library. Mm -hmm. So that was um, kind of a result of things that we were seeing, such as even if we were sponsoring a child to go to school, when they would go home, they don't have a table to sit at. They don't have pens and paper. They don't have, you know, their parents don't speak Spanish. Who's going to help them do their homework? And so that was this really big barrier to the kids' success at school, So we wanted to create a place where, okay, you can go and sit down at this table and we provide pens and paper. And we also have a librarian there who's going to help you understand what's the homework asking Mm -hmm. from you, how to do it. Um, We also incorporated things like story hour, reading books, using Eshiel and Spanish. Um, And the other cool thing about the library is that that is open to the whole community. Mm -hmm. so it was a way of broadening our impact in the community because Mm -hmm. it wasn't just our scholars that could go. It was any child from the community. Who needed
0: space, who...
1: Or a safe space or a fun place or a place where you get attention, which all these things that for a lot of these kids doesn't exist for them and they don't have somewhere to necessarily go after school. Um, And so that's been an amazing, amazing project and also something that we last year got our UNESCO recognition for, for our library yeah, project. Yeah, congratulations which is very for cool. that. So um, really proud of our team for all the work they did during COVID to sort of continue with our library, which was doing things like Radio Story Hour because we couldn't physically mm-hmm. do it because of the pandemic. So that was all great. And that's um, obviously been going on for a long time. And then more recently, a few years ago, we started getting... A lot of feedback from our team about while it was really good what we were doing with our sponsorship program, we had some concerns or challenges that we were facing from the local school. Mm -hmm. So things like the level or the quality of education is another problem. It can be even if you have the money to go to the school, you Mm -hmm. can go and you're not necessarily going to receive a high quality education, depending on, um, you know, what's being taught, if the teacher really cares. It's also hard because in Guatemala they're only doing half school days. So there's only so much you can really pack into that half a day. Uh, there were definitely a huge majority of male teachers, like nine out of ten teachers were males. And. Um, and there were some safety concerns of young girls mm-hmm. that were being raised that our team felt really uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, we were feeling that the curriculum being taught wasn't fully inclusive and representative of our community. And so it just kind of, all these things were accumulating and eventually, you know, also the class sizes, which goes hand in hand with the quality of education. Because if you're in a class with 60 kids, which is normal with one teacher. Are you really getting attention? Are you really learning? It's kind of all these things together. And we just came to this realization that if we really wanted to change the narrative and teach a curriculum teaching what we believed in that they should be taught, if we wanted to be sure that school was a safe space for kids to go, if we wanted to empower and have female teaching staff, all these things that it, you know, it had to be ours. We had to do it ourselves so that we would have control over all of those things so that we could provide Mm -hmm. the education that we want for this community. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of, you know, I mean, obviously the idea is born of, yeah, let's have our own school. And then it's this reality check of (laughs) you've gone from, Sponsoring 10 kids at $100 a year when you started to saying, we're going to open our own school, which is very multifaceted. You have, okay, well, we have to get land for this school. We have to design the school. We have to build the school, the physical stuff. Then, you know, suddenly outside of the Limitless Horizons team that we have, we basically need to double our staff because we now we need a second team that's going to be our school team and hire our teachers and, um, you know, how are we going to... in an area where
0: there's no teachers.
1: In an area where there's no teachers, but also where we're very committed to trying to hire locally as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's obviously tricky as well. And then we also had, you know, we wanted to open up applications, but also knowing we couldn't take every student that wanted to come to Mm -hmm. this school um, we also debated on if we were going to do girls only because we are a girl-focused organization, which eventually we decided not to because, you know, we think it's really important if you're trying to change the narrative around gender equality and, and how gender is perceived. Which yeah, we you are, have to educate both. You can't do it unless you educate both. So as it is, we do two thirds girls, one third boys, so that we mm-hmm. remain girl-focused while still including. Mm-hmm. Um, boys we also had to develop our you know for that student selection process well how do you choose which child to take and which child not Mm -hmm. so there are so many different factors that we had to sort of come up with a matrix of okay well are they is it a single parent and what's their household income and you know all these different factors to think about and you know we had to do testing on them as well and you know what had happened was these students had missed two years of schooling because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at kids that already were receiving a lower than average lev- level of mm-hmm. education at their school and then haven't been to school in two years. And, you know, we're asking them, they're going to the first grade of middle school. Yeah. And we're asking them, write a sentence in Spanish. And for a lot of them, they couldn't.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And so then we were also faced with this difficulty of what's our curriculum going to look like for that first year? Because... We can't be teaching you a normal first year of middle school when mm-hmm. you're coming to us with a level of, you know, yeah. grade two or something from elementary. Like it was, so then we addressed that by having a six month preparation program for these students, um, where we spent six months with them before they started with us, working on things like Spanish, trying to get it up to the level that we would like it, to yeah. hope, you know, love for it to be at. Yeah. Um, As well as mathematics, other subjects as well, really looking at what their big weaknesses were and trying to address those and also trying to get the kids a little bit accustomed to our way of teaching, which is very interactive, Mm. very participatory, which is not what they're used to at all. And it's great, but I think it can be tiring. We also at our school do a full school day. We're doing an eight hour day. So Mm -hmm. for them, that's also yeah. You know, a big um I will be tired. <laughs> <laughs> a big thing. Um
0: But these kids that you this uh who went to this like uh process for six months, these are the kids that you already have cl- uh, kind of like picked to go into the school or they're already in the trial phase and how you ended up like doing did you went all all into okay, let's pick the the people who are most most likely to success mm-hmm. or the it's more like who needs it the most or how was that how how how, yeah. how do you solve that problem
1: so I think we had at the start of last year 2021 we had it was around 60 and I think it's been around 60 again this year uh, applicants of kids that wanted to come to the school so our first way of you know, culling is that we first of all only accept students from Chahu because as an organization our mission and our work has always been for this specific community. So we did have a couple of families from outside of the community but we had to really kind of focus in on our our mission and say okay, you know, our focus has always been this specific community. Um, We then created all these different Spreadsheets with ways of cross checking all these different factors. We met with the kids, we talked to them, we had them do writing samples, and then we sort of filter out some, and then I think down to maybe, you know, around 40. Then our local team go and do house visits with every single one, sit down with their parents, because we also recognize that if the parents are not on board, it's never going to work. Yeah. So again, coming back to those things of, are you going to be okay with your child being away for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday, you know, are you going to support that? How are they going to get to the school? Are they going to take a tuk-tuk? Are they going to walk? If it's a tuk-tuk, how are you going to pay that five quetzales every day, day? you yeah. know, things like that to really try and pull out what could potentially be a problem before it is a problem. Um, Something the families really like that we do is that we provide meals to our students. Mm -hmm. So we say, part of your child coming to our school is we're going to feed them. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a really good nutritious lunch. We give them uh, food in the morning as well. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, on on the one hand that takes away some of the pressure of, oh, I have to feed my child every day, which for these families is Mm -hmm. um, pressure. And also, you know, we're guaranteeing them that it will be more than just tortillas. So that's nice. and then we also do every now and then we do workshops with our families. So we also ask the parents to say, Hey, are you
0: they have to get, be willing involved, yeah?
1: to be involved? And when we hold these workshops for parents, you're saying you're going to show up <laughs> and work with us and things like that. So that's also all of these things pull into the different factors that we look at, including economic need. And it's, what you touched on, because it's a difficult balance between often the most, um, you know, economically challenged ones are the ones that people say, well, they're the least likely to succeed because they're so challenged and because usually their level of everything is lower, et cetera. Um, So we also then try and strike a balance, but we, you know, we kind of code them and we we're trying to strike a balance between, yes, we do want to take Ones that are likely to succeed, but also recognizing that Limitless Horizons was born out of this idea of helping the ones that really have Mm -hmm. no other way and they couldn't, you know. So if there's a child that they they could go to school because their family does have the means, they probably you know don't need it as much as if if we don't help this child, then they yeah 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 you are are there
0: for the ones who needed the most in the beginning
1: and the. The resilience that I've seen in some of those students that initially were marked as, you know, we're taking this student, but we're taking them knowing that this is, yeah, a huge risk because of all this variety of factors. And you know, one of one of the students that we took that was like that was uh, who started in our prep program last year and then has been in our first group of students this year was a young girl and when she started with us we you know kind of had her in red of like probably is going to drop out because yeah it's her life is you know hard very very difficult her mother had left her she at 12 years old was responsible for all of her siblings Mm. for all of the house chores for cooking for cleaning for everything um extremely you know financially challenged family all this stuff and very timid very shy um And she has just become one of our best students. That now we have her in green. Like she's incredibly dedicated to her education. It's almost like she recognizes that this is this huge opportunity that she's been given and she's applied Mm -hmm. herself. And also because she's being so encouraged by our staff. And, you know, a lot of our staff are Indigenous women from the community that came from not dissimilar situations Mm -hmm. or a lot of them were scholars from our original scholarship Mm -hmm. program that have come through. And I think having, you know, I have seen it with my eyes where I saw our school director sitting, talking to this girl and, you know, she's, she's looking her in the eye and saying, I know you can do this. I know it's hard. I know you go home after school and you have to do all of this work that again, like most people can't imagine a 12 year old having to do do that. Um, but I think even those things like that's make such a huge. That girl has probably never had someone say to her, "You can, you do you can do something. Yeah. You know, you can achieve what you want, and we're going to help you do that." So I think, from
0: someone who is being in the same position, and, and, and that it's not like you don't understand me. It's like
1: mm-hmm. you,
0: you you have been there. I just want to like make a pause in case that someone who is listening and is not um, so familiarized with the nonprofit world or mm-hmm. how it is uh, the reason that it's so hard and you have to think about we have to think about successful and I just help ev- the ones who need it the most it's because when you take these challenges and you ask a lot of people for a lot of money mm-hmm. to support you to help you you need to also this is like a, like a company like any any other company you have yes. to you have to like come up with, results and to get to be able to help more people you have to you have to be successful and if you have a lot of dropouts and you just help the people Mm -hmm. that needed the most you can be like you can have the best intention in the world but if you don't come up with results with people like going Mm -hmm. through the the whole process and being successful and helping their own community then Mm -hmm. you're not going to get more support uh, so that's why it's so hard, because from their heart, you want to help the ones who need it the most, mm-hmm. but you also need to And results. I would say
1: that's especially true when it comes to getting grant money and applying for grants, because you have to show your impact. And the easiest yeah. way to show impact is by saying things like, you know, oh, 100 percent of our students graduated and went to university, etc. cetera. Yeah. Uh, and so it's definitely trying to strike that balance of maintaining true to the mission and helping the ones most in yeah. need while also of course, you have to prove that what you're doing,
0: yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. I think it is one of the most like hard things mm-hmm. to do. Uh, so moving on, like, um. So keep going
1: uh, with your. So this, I mean, the school. We. In which stage we are right now? Right now, we are at a very, very, very exciting, amazing celebratory stage for us as an organization. We uh, very recently finished our capital campaign fundraising, mm-hmm. meaning we've now raised what our goal was for our capital campaign to get the school finished up and running. The school itself is very close to being done and we are planning to have, so we started our first grade of students' this year in january however the building construction wasn't finished so we started the classes in other areas Mm -hmm. and our plan is that those students will start having their classes in the new school as of next month wow which is going to be thrilling for the students for our staff for the community um the school building itself is beautiful and has been built to a very high uh, you know US standard Standard. Um, and next month we'll be having our inauguration event which will be celebrated with the community of Chahul so we'll be inviting our students Mm -hmm. our alumni our family and friends our donors to just come together and acknowledge this really huge step Um, it's also been you know not without its challenges we had to pause construction for a year because of COVID. So we started the school building and then had to just tools down and, you know, no one knew, like, oh shit, did we just start building this school that's now we're in a global pandemic and it's, you know, what's gonna happen and just kind of wait that out. Um, And, you know, along with various other issues with, you know, materials coming in and costs going up and chopping and changing all the time. We've been really lucky that we've had good partners working with us um, on the construction side of things and the design side. So I think we all feel very confident in the, the building and the school.
0: Awesome. And what what is the plan for that day?
1: That day, it will be the 20th of July. And the plan is that we will come together, we'll do, you know, um, some key speakers and really the, the purpose of it is just to acknowledge the hard work that so many people have put into making this dream a reality because it really has been a labor of love and it's had so many different hands in it to make it happen. Um, from the conception and the idea and all the work of our local team to all of the fundraising from our foreign team to you know we've had the we've had a crew of maybe 25 local construction workers working day in and day out for a very long time mm-hmm. to get the school built um, all of our donors that have, you know, contributed to this project, all of our grant makers that have supported us. Um, It's been something that I think a lot of people have been investing in for years. So to see it actually come to fruition. And then I think for the community of Chahul, it's exciting and it's something they feel proud of to be like, yes, we have this school in our rural community Mm -hmm. of Chahul. We now have this school that's ours for our kids to, you know, hopefully go on and make this huge change and to provide education that at this quality hasn't existed for them. It hasn't been an option. It hasn't even been available
0: yeah, to yeah. them. Yeah, I can I can imagine the the level of celebration that they want to put on because I know how they are. Yes, there will be marimba,
1: there will be food, <laughs> there will definitely be um, a lot of kind of celebratory things going on. And um, but I mean, I think it's
0: I think it's it's worth it because I mean, what you have done, what Limited Horizons teams have done during this probably the worst time. Yeah, as far <laughs> as like. Fundraising, keeping your organization running, and and keeping people keep people engaged, uh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I know that a, co- a couple of things happened, like you mentioned. Like I think that we, we we should like talk a little bit more about that UNESCO award that you receive, and it's in the middle of the this whole thing, or just like mm-hmm. uh, when 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 it happened, and and, 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 COVID, and it's because I think of the work.
1: In, in the Ashil region, it was hugely exacerbated by, we had back-to-back hurricanes at the yeah, end of 2020. true. And true. for our community, the combined devastation of those hurricanes, which on their own would have been devastating because families lost their crops. This community, a lot of the families that live there get their income from growing corn, and all of a sudden, not only do they not have corn to eat, they don't have corn to sell to make money. So, and that was, you know, just taken away. Yeah. So that, you know, was already this huge. On its own, would have been bad. The combination with the pandemic created a extremely for a community that's already challenged. It was, you know, really, yeah. really challenged, and we. We did see that and we um, stepped in and started providing once a month. We would give uh, baskets Mm -hmm. of essential living supplies to our families, which we are an education nonprofit. It's, you know, that's not, we're not an aid organization. However, it was so dire. We could see if we don't help these families, like this situation is, yeah. That's you know how how extreme it was, and so we just felt like that was absolutely necessary. Um, and also with the with the pandemic, it was very challenging again for Chahul and the community because most of them don't speak Spanish, and mm-hmm. all of the information that was being disseminated by the Guatemalan government about what is Spanish, you know everything um, how to prevent it, etc., was all in Spanish. So we actually created a series of videos in Ishiil to try and help them to understand what was Mm -hmm. going on. And yeah, there was definitely a lot of side effects of the pandemic beyond things like our our construction.
0: Yeah. Um, Talking about that, let's talk a little bit, or I think that for, I think that limited horizons is really good at this part of keeping people engaged, knowing what's going on and fundraising. Mm -hmm. And I know that behind what we can see, it's a lot of people working. Mm-hmm. And I think that for other organizations, it will be really valuable if we talk about about that, about the whole process, about how many people it is, to be able and 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 how putting this big effort in it, it actually mm-hmm. brings mm-hmm. Um, success. It, it, it really brings mm-hmm. like uh, things back to the organization. So let's talk about people, the effort and the time that it takes.
1: Yes. Well, I think as anybody that has worked in fundraising uh, knows, it's difficult and there's no kind of easy answer to how to fundraise. Uh, But things that I think have worked really well for us as an organization. And there's, there's a couple of different things. I think The first thing is making sure or just having people that support you, including your staff, you know, your donors, your board members who really understand what you're doing and really believe in it because it's very powerful when you talk to someone, you know, I think we've all experienced that when someone's talking to you and they're telling you this story and they're so genuine and passionate and excited and moved by what they're talking about that you can't help but feel mm-hmm. that pull and that yeah. same call and the inspiration of I want to feel that I want to yeah. be part of that and so yeah. you know that comes from different things I think one of the most uh, you know effective ways of doing that is through storytelling you know being specific so instead of just saying oh we serve, Um, you know students and we provide you know give an example talk about a specific student and their Mm -hmm. story and you know make it real make it something that that person can really relate to so even in our communications you know we in our reporting or in our newsletters something we try and do in our social Mm -hmm. media is the storytelling of not just saying the statistics or the data but making it you know, specific telling a student story. And I think that's something you have to be sensitive in the way that you're doing that when you're talking about especially children. Um, But I think there is a, a way that that can be done. And I think that works really well. In terms of our fundraising, you know, we sort of do it in a few different ways. We have our lead donor network, which are sort of our big donors, and they really believe in what we're doing. And we're very fortunate to have you know, individual donors who are passionate about education or passionate about girls education, indigenous women, all the things that the areas we work in and, you know, then you can use that network to talk to their friends. I think word of mouth is hugely powerful. If they Mm -hmm. are telling everyone they know about, oh, here's this organization that I support because of these reasons. Mm You know, those people can then also come into your network. And the same goes for our board members. So we have um, a board of directors in the US as well as an advisory board. And they're all, you know, hugely involved in different ways, depending on what, you know, strengths they can offer to us. But also in fundraising and in tapping into their network and again, spreading the word Mm -hmm. to different areas, different communities, different networks of people. Um, so that's hugely helpful we also run you know public campaigns for the school you know we sort of did a private campaign with our existing donor network and then we did a big public push where we were kind of on all our social media on our websites on blogs on every you know spreading the word about what we were doing um you know I think we do matching fund campaigns, which people love. If you can get, sometimes we have donors that say, okay, I'll give you this. And, you know, you can use it to do dollar for dollar. So mm-hmm. people love doing things like that. And then um, it's grant writing. So, you know, we have someone who does our grant writing. And so I think to come back to what you were saying, if you're thinking about as I'm listing all this stuff off, mm mm-hmm. The amount of people is a lot because behind all of those different strategies that I was just talking about, we have someone who's doing grants, we have our executive director, we have our board of directors, we have our lead donors, we have uh, myself and another person who work purely in development and communications, mm-hmm. who are staff. It's you know and then a you lot of people staff who also
0: contributes to the things.
1: Well, and for example, we can't do our job. So I'm constantly in communication with our local team because I can't tell the story about, you know, this experience that I had with a student today. No, that's coming from them. So, you know, we also have people on the ground who are responsible for, can you take us some photos to share? Can we get videos? Can you tell us a powerful story about one of our students that happened? So they're also doing that work too, which ties into fundraising communications development Mm -hmm. as well Um, so it's definitely broad and then I would say also organizational partnerships um, which is not not fundraising so to speak but just is something that's helped us as an organization a lot so you know uh, using the strength of other organizations that you can partner with so Mm -hmm. Maya we partnered with in terms of um, Maya run a similar school in another part of Guatemala totally different in terms of you know we had to adapt everything of course to our own cultural context which is very different but at the same time it was like okay these people have done something similar before like let's find out what does their curriculum look like can they help coach us what mistakes or difficulties did they encounter could they share with us so that we can learn from it Um, things like that and then also in terms of for the school project we have a partner in the US called Building Goodness Foundation who and design develop who helped with our kind of plans designs for the building overseeing a lot of our construction sending down specialists so sometimes we would need things done it could be plumbing for example mm-hmm. that were very specialized you know we didn't have someone with that skill set and the cool thing about that too from you know i saw this firsthand when i went with some of their volunteers is When they would do it they would also teach the local laborers like hey come and watch and see how i'm doing this Mm -hmm. so that you now have that knowledge for the Mm -hmm. for the locals Mm -hmm. great but also that's another way that you know um, you
0: guarantee that someone that kind of like knows how how to make those things
1: Mm -hmm. but so i think we our approach is you know it's broad and there's a lot of different ways that we um bring in support or bring in money to, to our organization mm-hmm. through different avenues and also utilizing a lot of, a lot of people. And it's a lot of time and energy and effort and it doesn't happen on its own. And, you know, it's, um, it's a never ending process because it's not oh i got the money now that's it no yeah, i mean you, you need <laughs> <laughs> you i mean first of all we you as an organization constantly need more money to continue to operate so obviously but you know as well in just in terms of um then keeping your donor or your grantor updated on what what's going on and how is their money being used yeah. and keeping them engaged and keeping them wanting to tell their friends and family about it and encourage other people to donate and you know or reaching out to people that haven't maybe engaged for a while to check in and, you know, maybe they want to maybe, you know, a phone call to them to, you know, acknowledge, I think acknowledging gifts and acknowledging contributions is so crucial. Mm -hmm. They say you can't thank someone too much, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's something as well, you know, doing doing donor stewardship and really trying to give them that warm and fuzzy feeling that at the end of the day, they want of, you know, hey, thank you so much. And this has made this huge impact. In this community and in these people's lives. And, you know, here's an example of the difference you're making and, you know,
0: acknowledging basically, because it's true, it's true, like, uh, what you cannot do with your own hands, you can do it in a different way. Um, And I think that it's also like, depending on the size of your organization, of course you have now the ability to have like a big theme, and you kind of like develop the process and put a lot of thought and a lot of time on doing this. But uh, also like, for smaller organizations, they have to start with the small things and focus on those And you know, and, and we, we were things. that yeah, small, and you were small. <laughs> exactly. And we were one exactly. person asking for $100 from exactly. people.
1: And to be honest with you, up until a few years ago, you know, this this school for, for Limitless Horizons is a game changer and it has catapulted us into a different level. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so I it's know. something that. And to be to be honest, I think when when it was just a dream, when it was an idea, when we were saying, "Oh, you know, it would be really cool, It's like maybe if we had
0: <laughs>
1: do whatever we wanted and have our own teachers and create our own," you know, it when it dream, was a dream, right? a, they, it, not to say we didn't believe that we could do it, but it really was this like we're talking about
0: something big, something
1: it, really big that's we're gonna have to work out asses off to fundraise for this. Like, we are going to have to be pushing yeah. because, you I mean, know. For
0: everyone, like, I remember being, being in Chaho five years ago and visiting the the library. Mm-hmm. And if you tell me at that moment, like, how we were going to build yeah. this huge school and all these plans, like, I would like, say, wow, I mean, who is going to sign up for that? it's a big responsibility it's a big challenge and
1: for an organization that has never done that before you know
0: exactly no 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 it's it is it is a scary because i mean if you have a big heart you, you you of course you wanted to do it but it's also like you don't want to disappoint anyone mm-hmm. uh, and, mm-hmm. and if you want to do it you want to be successful at it and you want to help people because otherwise like you promise a lot of the things and in this community it's like promise something yeah is a big thing for someone who is it's expect it's it doesn't have a lot of opportunities and then mm-hmm. you come and you say something and mm-hmm. they see like kind of like a light in the end of the tunnel and then you take that out
1: it's it's not nice
0: and mm-hmm. then the problem or, with or that to start
1: it and then not follow yeah, through
0: the problem with that is then like it doesn't mean that the ones who fail didn't have like a a good will to do it. It's just that they couldn't make it. But then that closed the doors for Mm -hmm. other ones and they they, they, they don't trust anymore.
1: I think, too, it requires a lot of foresight, a lot of planning. You know, so when I talk about our capital campaign and our startup goals, There, you have to factor in a lot of things because we're not. It's you can't just fundraise or just calculate. Well, how much is the building? And it goes, okay. What about the salary for the teachers? What about who's going to do the cleaning? What about the electricity? What about for the food? What about you know we're providing for our students? They're not paying to come to our schools. Mm -hmm. What about the materials? And you know all of these startup costs that. I think what I've seen with other organizations in other places is that sometimes the good intention is there, they do the fundraising, maybe they even get a building up, but then it all comes to a grinding halt. because the
0: sustainability. Or
1: then the organization says, okay, like well now we're here's your school, bye. And the community's yeah. like, well, thanks for this empty building. That's what have you yeah. kind of left us with? And so I think something we were really sensitive to was let's really think through all of these things because, you know, we don't, want to let them down or we don't want to be in that situation um which then you know yeah makes it a lot of money but yeah (laughs) thankfully we have a global community of supporters that have come together to get us to that goal
0: yeah and that's that's thanks to the the work the Mm -hmm. work that the whole team has put on and 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 what we were saying like uh, when you put up the work and you you do it the right way and
1: it's it is an investment and you know we do during our our public um fundraising for the school we were doing things like having zoom video calls and we would have our Guatemalan director you know come in Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on zoom and translate for her so that the potential donors sitting in the u.s weren't just hearing it from myself or from our executive director they were hearing it from our director in Guatemala, who is an indigenous woman from this community, mm-hmm. from her mouth, why she felt that this school was so crucial for her community and why she felt this was so needed, or from our school director, who's also um, you know, a local woman. And so I think that too, as potential for fundraising for potential donors, it's more impactful to hear it from them mm-hmm. Saying, here was my experience, you know, growing up here. Here's what I've seen in the last 15 years working in this community. Here's the reasons why this will change lives, why this will change the whole community, and why, like, you know, things even like migration is a really big problem in this area. And, you know, they have talked about why if we can give a good education, if they can get opportunities, if they can go into university, if they can get a good job. So maybe they don't need mm-hmm. to be taking this really dangerous path and choice to to try and leave and go to the US and things like that. And um, so I think that's, again, just another... But again, that's someone's time. You know, we were asking our staff, hey, I know it's 7pm and you probably want to be at home with your family, but will yeah. you get on this Zoom call and do it again next week? Yeah. <laughs> because we're trying to fundraise. And yeah. so, again, it's like it's not only... The people in the time, it's having people that are dedicated, that they, you know, our team say yes, because I want to do it, because I do believe the school is necessary and I know we need money to get there. So I, I'm going to do what it takes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's great. It, 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 I always found like the there is always like a lot of people on the back that no, doesn't necessarily like get the all the whistle, whistle and vessels as <laughs> they say. Um, but they are so crucial because they are always there. They are the ones who they always have the best attitude there. They always have like this drive to make things happen that it's amazing how, how they do it because of the situation that they are. Uh, And yeah. And then more people trusting you and more people jump in just like (laughs) I just, you were just telling me about this announcement from this, big thing that is happening <laughs> on Twitter um, tell me about it
1: yes so we are very honored um, and very privileged that we are one of the recipients of some funding from the Luis Van Ahn Foundation so for those who don't know Luis Van Ahn is the founder of Duolingo and is actually Guatemalan which I yeah. think is not very well
0: no no known. no a lot of people <laughs> know that
1: um, and he has recently started a foundation to invest money back into guatemala so looking for um, organizations that are trustworthy and making a really big impact to support and you know i think education was um, a key area for the foundation and that's i think just got announced yesterday on twitter that we are one of the (laughs) one of the organizations that they'll be funding so i think that's a huge honor and Um, as you said I think things kind of snowball on each other to an extent and I think for us now we're really getting more and more high level recognition or support so you know for us to be able to say that we're supported by Louise Bonan, that we you know received a international UNESCO award those kind of things do have weight and I think um you know, it's, it's something that if you're thinking of donating a large amount of money to an organization, you want to know that that money that is going to right be one, yeah. used well. And, you know, unfortunately, there's so many nonprofits, as we both know, and are not, you know, there's good, bad and ugly and not all yeah. are using their funding the way they should, etc. So I, I think that, um, you know, people kind of realize that once you're, if you've had to jump through the hoops, you have to jump through to get some yeah. levels of approval then you know yeah, <laughs> they course. can trust in you of course of um, course
0: yeah wow it's 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 been great like it's it's really like i knew it was like a lot of work i knew there was like so many things and uh, and and the reason why this is cool it's gonna be so such a great thing for for the community and i can wait for going there in a couple of months and a year. Seeing them in their new school. Yeah, yeah, seeing all these girls and boys uh, looking at the world in a different way, Uh, which you can tell. You can tell when when you talk to them, when you see them. Uh, And I think that just for that, it's gonna change that area.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely that kind of thing,
0: that kind of feeling, that kind of emotion, it spreads, it spreads around. I've um, already
1: seen, for me, when I was visiting, you know, uh, at mid-end of last year, which is when our students had just kind of, they were a few months into their preparation program. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to them and I was observing their classes. And then I went back maybe one month ago so when they'd already been a couple of months into their school year and they'd already done the six months last of the prep program and I spoke to the same students and I watched their classes and the difference was mind-blowing it was completely different the you know the classes when I was watching before it was you know, the teacher would ask a question, no one really wanted to reply, they're all kind of looking at each other, looking down, you know, now in the class, the teacher's having to be like, calm down, soften your, you know, because they're fighting <laughs> who's going to answer. Yeah. And the girls are equally fighting to answer as the boys. There's no difference between, yeah. Oh, you know, only listening yeah. to boys. And, you know, I, one of the students I talked to, before when i would talk to them one-on-one again like they didn't even want to really look me in the eyes their spanish was not great i don't speak a shield so you know it was yeah. challenging and this time they were looking me in the eyes i was there before they took their exams and i asked one of the girls are you nervous about you know she was about to go into an exam and she's like no i know i can do it <laughs> i'm like oh okay yeah we <laughs> are crazy. this is completely different to what i was you know yeah. seeing awesome. before and i think it's, it's it's like you said, it's it's changing so many things. And I think, you know, and, ch- and changing gender perception and gender roles. And, you know, we have a, a couple on our team. So David, who's our librarian, who runs our library, and his wife, Amy, mm-hmm. who works in our office. And Amy was actually in the 10 students 18 years ago that came yeah. in the first, you know, so been with us a long time but for example they're married they have a beautiful baby boy now and they're kind of this example in this community of like you know she can she can still work she's come back to work yeah and she's actually more has a higher level of education now than what david has Mm -hmm. and david's attitude is pride yeah he thinks it's amazing he's so proud of her and what she's achieved and That might not sound like much, but for this community, that's not the normal perception of gender roles Mm -hmm. and, you know, what's normal or what's okay. And so even that is like, okay, it's like, you know, it took however long, but if we can keep going on this path of creating students that are confident in their voice, girls that want to stand up and give the answer, men that can be proud of their wife, for being well educated and having a career, it's like that's gonna be, you know, Chahul in 20 years' time. What's it gonna look like with this new generation yeah. coming through?
0: Yeah, I think that's really exciting. Wow. It's been great talking <laughs> about this with you and, and knowing more about the details and everything that it has to go. I just wanna like um, pick up some points about you when you were talking about like how. you do for fundraise for the ones who are there and thinking about doing it or doing it and thinking if they are doing things right uh just come up um you talk about like it's crucial to have the right people the ones who are passionate about Mm -hmm. it who are gonna be there even if it's 7 p.m and to (laughs) receive a call um have your board member Mm -hmm. engaged which i think that uh for a lot of nonprofits, is really challenging yeah Uh, and we but i think it's also crucial
1: we expect a lot from our board we do we you know we kind of have kind of high expectations of that they are really going to be bringing to the table a lot Mm -hmm. to our organization and and they do and that's fantastic and i completely agree with you that i i know of a lot of organizations where board members are very passive Um, So we always look for board members that have skill sets that they can contribute to our organization if they're a lawyer, an accountant, a different way, as well as fundraising. You know, I think sometimes people are scared to put pressure on board members to ask them to fundraise. But I think if you if you do it well, it could be really effective. And I
0: think that it's it's also kind of like a synergy of the team because everyone works with the same intensity or the same passion. Mm-hmm. So when the board members see this, mm-hmm. they get connected too and they wanna they wanna help the team mm-hmm. because they are part of the team. Mm-hmm. They are not as a separate thing. They are not just the head deciding whether you're gonna spend money or in here and there or what you're gonna do. They are part of the team planning this whole mm-hmm. thing and they're like part of the successful yeah. of the whole thing. And I the think that's thing. almost
1: a human nature, psychological. We all like to feel part of something you yeah. want to be in a group you know it's why everyone loves wearing matching t-shirts like you like to feel that connection and community and i think that's also you know while we're talking about fundraising make your donors feel like they are part of your, you know it sounds cliche but it's it's sending that message of like we did this yeah together which is because true. and it is completely true and i don't hesitate you know a lot of our our donors bless them, they're always saying thank you, like to me, thank you for all of the work that you do and that Limitless Horizons do. And I'm like, I I appreciate that, but also thank you. And it's not a lie that if we didn't have your support, yeah, you know, our amazing local team couldn't every day be working with these kids and doing the work that they do without that. That's the nonprofit reality. You need the money. But I think what you're saying, it's about the team mentality or the community mentality if you can engage with your board members in that way, if you can engage with your donors in that way of being like, hey, we're all in this together and actually together we can do crazy things like build this school, you know, something that was a pipe dream five years ago and how amazing that is. And I think for us that's why this time right now and, you know, next month is going to, is so important because for us it is that celebration of we, we being Limitless Horizons, being the donors, being yeah. the community, being the board members, we did it. Let's come together and celebrate that.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's what you're saying is right. And then like, try to use um, as much as you can, uh, talking about like different like strategies, like matching Mm-hmm. writing grants as far as you can do it like because we know like that a lot of organizations don't have like a big team but as mm-hmm. whatever you can do try mm-hmm. because those tries you never know what is going to happen mm-hmm. and then it's going to bring more into the organization and then probably you will be able to afford mm-hmm. someone who is dedicated to that mm-hmm. but keep in mind to being re- to, to do it in And being real I think Mm -hmm. Uh, and and always focus on the on the people and on the on the real things uh, I think Um, and not just post on social media because it's
1: right and and you know try and be strategic about what you post or what you share and think about you know what is the intention behind it and that i would say that's also important when it comes to for example doing like newsletter mail outs so for us as an organization there's a there's a difference between a a newsletter that's going out that's an ask saying hey we have x amount of money left to reach the goal to build our school can you please help us get there Mm -hmm. you know there's the intention that's the ask you just make it clear we also send out emails that are an update or an announcement about something exciting or sharing a beautiful story and we might put a donate button in the corner but that's a different donor touch so i think you know first of all being clear about what your intention is behind any communication whether it's social media whether it's an email whether it's a phone call whatever it is you know kind Mm -hmm. of people get nervous if they don't really know what you want from them
0: yeah Um, that's true and then
1: secondly that regular communication and I think regular communication with your donors and making sure that every time you reach out, you're not always asking because it's also tiring if I'm like, oh, every time I hear from Emma, it's her wanting more money. You know, sometimes it's nice to be like, oh, Emma was just calling me to tell me about this cool thing that happened at the school that I helped build. Yeah, or ask me how
0: how I am. Like, if it's that that kind of a donor, like, just Mm -hmm. follow up. Like, how are you? How is your family? And kind of like, we also care about you, mm-hmm. like generally, mm-hmm. right? Not just for whatever you can do for us. Well, I think it's been great. Uh, and I hope to talk to you uh, in the future and know more about Limiters Horizons. And I don't know, there is something else that is going to go. What is the future for? The future for
1: Limitless Horizons is that... We have Limitless Horizons. (laughs) Is that... So this year we have our first class, which is 24 students Mm -hmm. that are officially our first group of middle school students. Every year for the next six years, we will add a grade. So next year we'll have these students moving into eighth grade and our incoming Mm -hmm. students into seventh. And that will continue until we have six grade levels. So that will be uh, middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. So when our Colegio Horizontes will be fully operating in six years' time as a middle and high school. Um, So that's what the future holds for us, which obviously involves a lot of work and a lot of planning. And you know that includes uh, hiring more teachers and doing their professional development of our staff and making sure they're equipped and feel confident and ready to be delivering this high quality yeah. education to the students, you know, working with our students, working with their families to support them. Um, you know, we also work with, at the moment, with our scholars when they finish high school. We have an emerging leaders program where we work with them to talk about okay, well, what are your goals and do you want to go to university? What scholarships can we help you apply for? What, if you want to work, what jobs are there, et cetera? So that's something as well that we'll be working with students when they graduate. So I would say, the future is very exciting. We've, part of our school is beautiful new offices for our staff, so they're really excited to move into that um, and having our students move into their beautiful school because at the moment they can all see it, but they haven't been able to go in yet. Yeah. So
0: cool. So you will have your offices in, the, in in where the school is? Yes. Cool, Cool. Yeah. so you can like keep all the staff motivated. Yes. Of course, that's great. Yeah. Okay, thank you for your time, Emma. And I, my best wishes for you for limitless horizons and shield. You and for anyone and
1: listening whole- who wants to support us. Yeah, yeah, don't, Yeah, it's actually <laughs> let, the point. Let yeah, me yeah. let me just say that uh, we welcome anyone who wants to make a donation, or we offer an incredible sponsorship program where you can sponsor a student and you get matched with an individual student and you will receive updates from your student, which might be a handwritten letter. It could be a little video message from them, a letter from their class. Um, and so that's a really a beautiful way to to support. And if you want to feel a strong connection with a particular student um, or if you just want to make a donation to us as well, greatly appreciated.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that someone it will <laughs> Okay, thank you. And everyone, bye.
1: Bye.